Good morning as we gather this Thursday, the second week of Lent. I think in any, any study of pedagogy, the, the technique of instruction, one maxim of proof would hold true that repetition is the master. Repetition is the master, whether one is a young child learning language or how to do math tables, <clears throat> whether we, as we grow and mature, are learning a new skill or some operative function in our vocation or in our work. Master, the master teacher is repetition over and over and over again. So it's no wonder that every day as we gather for the sacrifice of the mass and we hear from the word, there's just this repetitive theme again and again and again. And we have it from Jeremiah and we have it from our, our beautiful reading in the gospel taken from Mark today. Or, sorry, I'm wrong, taken from Luke today. I need to repeat that more, taken from Luke today. Let's put Jeremiah back in context. This is after... Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon has come south and he gives Jeremiah a choice. Uh, he can be taken into captivity into Babylon by the Babylonian army or he can remain with the remnant in Judah. So Jeremiah actually stays behind. He's not taken into captivity. He stays behind and his, his prophesying, his preaching is to people who've just witnessed their citizens and counterparts and family members hauled off into captivity and they are still continuing to transgress. So it's not as though he's speaking to a population that has never heard this before. They've just seen, after years of prophesying from Isaiah and others, Ezekiel, that this would happen, Jeremiah is now present among them saying, in, in, in colloquial terms, this just happened. Here's why this happened. Here's what we should do. And he draws this analogy and this comparison between two, two plants, doesn't he? a bush that's in the desert and a tree that's living next to living streams of water. He says that cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes, his, makes flesh his strength, who turns his heart away from the Lord. He's like a shrub in the desert. He shall not see any good come. Conversely, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots to the stream and does not fear when heat comes. Or for, uh, for, it leaves, for its leaves remain green, and it is not anxious in the year of drought. Two comparisons, and he's, he's repeating a message that they've heard many, many times before, this notion of trust in the Lord, follow the Lord, adhere to his ways, follow our laws, abandon these pagan ways, or there will be consequences. The master, master teacher, the repetition, he's, he's trying to tell them again and again. We heard that beautifully recited in the Psalms. We hear that every sacrifice of the Mass. There's a reading from the Psalms and it's a repetitive theme, a refrain that's said again and again and again. To try to break through our heads, eventually we're going to hear the word. And so today in Luke's Gospel, we have the story then of Lazarus, the poor man, and the rich man. Here I stand adorned in purple because we're in the season of Lent and that's how the reading begins. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple. Now I'm self-conscious. And, I, and it's right that I am. It's right that I'm self-conscious because as I'm reading through this gospel narrative of a man who is of some means, obviously purple was a very expensive color of garment back then and fine linen, we're told by Luke, who feasted sumptuously every day and at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores. As I've said before, it's not useful usually for a deacon or a priest to tell personal stories 
in a homily, it's never the point. The point is the gospel. But this had me thinking, here I am adorned in purple as a priest in the Lenten colors. But I'm also reminded of an experience I had this is years ago living in California. My, Jackie and I, my wife and I lived in this home in a cul-de-sac. And the home construction was such that the garage was the prominent feature of the home. The facade facing the curb was a garage, pretty typical in California. And in the evening hours, as people would return from home, they would pull into the street in a cul-de-sac and the garage door would go up through the garage door opener and their car would go into the garage and the garage door would go down and that's the last you saw of them. There was no neighborly interaction and I stand here self-aware and shamed by the fact that we lived there for two years and it wasn't until a month before we moved away that I met one of my neighbors. That's pathetic. And it's true though, isn't it? And I think in this past year of COVID and social distancing, that's probably become even worse in some ways. So maybe in the spirit of repetition, here we are again encountering the story of Lazarus. And it's of a man of means who's living a good life. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with even the scraps. Man is so poor, even dogs are coming and licking his sores, Luke tells us. He died, and he's carried by the angels up to Abraham's side. The rich man dies sometime later. He's also buried. But he's alive in Hades. So here's a key message for us. Everyone lives forever. Every human ever born lives forever. That's true. And it's a knowingness and a conscious living. And it's either in proximity to God or having an awareness of God and knowing you're never going to be near him ever. Because once you die, you can't fix it. You can't change your mind. You can't decide, oops, I got that one wrong. Dead is dead. Natural death is natural death. There is a hell. There is a heaven. There's no heaven without hell. There's no hell without heaven. And when we die, that's called the particular judgment, a decision will be made. And it's a knowing consciousness of the consequence of that decision forever. That bears repeating, doesn't it, many times in our life. We have to make a decision in this life to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and God. He's our Savior. We have to decide that. So it bears repeating because it's a permanent circumstance one will be in. I either acknowledge our Lord as Savior with my faults and seek to be drawn to Him, or I deny Him. But that decision is permanent if it's not rectified before we die. In the outworking of this story, this man, aware of his permanent distance from God, then begs to have Lazarus just dip his finger in a pool of water to drip the drops of water on his tongue. That's how difficult his circumstances are in perpetuity. And he's told, no, Abraham says. Your brothers, who you want to bring this message to, have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Let them open their, eye, their ears and eyes to the repetitive teaching, the prophecy of the prophets, the reading of the word and the scripture, and of course in the context of Luke, the hearing of the gospel. Let them hear. They have plenty of opportunity to know our Lord and God, but they refuse to in their current moment, in their current arrogance in most cases. If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. And isn't that true? We, 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 have, we have a rejection of the outworking of the human story and family as told through scripture. God's plan for humanity is told through scripture. And that's rejected. And that's why it's easy to say, well, Jesus Christ is not 
God. He's, he can't be the second person of the Trinity. He's just a nice guy. He's, or he doesn't even exist in some cases of ignorance. So our goal is to allow ourselves to be washed over with the words of Scripture, to be washed over with the sacramental graces of the church so that God's penetrating light can break into our hearts, fill us, infuse us with his grace, and go back out into the world to bring that message of hope that says, listen, this is a permanent decision. You might give this some thought because you can't undo it once you're dead. Once you're dead, you'll live forever. Forever, not in the, the proximity to God with a knowingness that you're not in the proximity to God. That's such a scary, scary thought. Let's go forward in faith. As I mentioned at the start of Mass, we celebrate today the life of St. Casimir. <clears throat> His mother was Elizabeth of Austria. This is during the uh, Hungarian, Austro-Hungarian Austro Empire, near its apex, actually. At the age of 13, he's made the regent of Hungary, but that's not well-received. He's a very good administrator, but he's not well-received because he's a man of piety. He, his approach to leadership is based in humility before the Lord. That's the kind of leader he is. He's a young man. He advances in his ways, grows into his early 20s, and there's contest against him because uh, the emperor of Germany would like him to marry his eldest daughter, and Casimir does not want to. So that results in some turmoil because the kingdoms are not united. So Casimir surrenders the throne and he becomes uh, the regent then of Lithuania. He succumbs to tuberculosis, but the example of his life, why sainted, is he's a man who lived in integrity. He's a man who lived in accordance with his Catholic teachings and promises. He's a man who led with humi from humility, a position of humility, and cared, truly cared for the needs of the people and hence has become the patron of Poland and Lithuania. St. Casimir, pray for us.